portions of our broadcast day made possible by internet media providers, makers of Crosslink. With Crosslink, you can view any Christian television station in the world using Crosslink. For more information, look for the link to internet media providers on this website or app, or visit us directly at www.internetmediaproviders.com. In our society, we're striving for a message from God. God's messages transcend age, gender, socioeconomic status, ethnicities, religious persuasions, political affiliations, and cultural restrictions that encourage and inspire people to become saved, delivered, and set free from the bond of sin, as well as, gain a closer relationship with God. This is God's Inputs for You with Evangelist. Dr. Sharon Westbrooks. I'm Evangelist Dr. Sharon Westbrooks, the host of God's Input for You on the Resilient Christian Radio Network. Thank you for joining me for this broadcast. I appreciate each of you for tuning in. The focus of this broadcast is time. The concept of time has been fascinating and problematic for great thinkers, philosophers, biblical scholars, and world leaders for centuries. Notice scientists such as Sir Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein and many great philosophers such as Plato, Aristotle, and Kant have tried to conceptualize and analyze time in many ways. St. Augustine, recognized as one of the most important early church fathers, expressed, What then is time? If no one asks me, I know what it is. If I wish to explain it to someone who asks me, I do not know. The nature of time has haunted humanity throughout the generations of man. Some conceptions of time has always entered into man's ideas about mortality and immortality and permanence and change, so that concepts of time are fundamentally important in the study of religion, philosophy, literature, history, and even mythology. Physics is the only science that studies time explicitly. And as such, physicists view time as a very complex topic and one of the most difficult properties of our universe to understand. For in physics, the treatment of time is a central issue in which physicists attempt to answer, is time something real with real effects on other physical phenomena? Or is time a figment of our imagination? simply an illusion. Some physicists believe time is real and use time generally as a tool, defined largely by its measurements and geometrical dimensions and or as uh, uh, scalar quantities such as length, mass, and charge, and perform mathematical operations on it. Additionally, um, most physics books List time as fundamental quantity combined mathematically with other fundamental quantities to derive other concepts such as motion, energy, or fields. Interesting to note, the some physicists believe that time does not exist. Theoretical physicist Carlo Rovelli is one of them. He expressed time is a fascinating topic because it touches our deepest emotions. Ravelli spent his life studying time, and in his studies he concluded that time feels real to people, but it doesn't even exist. 
For according to Rivoli, theorizing time itself disappears at the most fundamental level. His theories ask us to accept the notion that time is merely a function of our blurred human perception and is merely illusion. One common argument that Rivoli and other philosophers of physics use to substantiate the theory that time is an illusion or just a mere figment of our imagination is that Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity proved that everything is relative, so time is just an irrelevant illusion. Do you agree with Rivoli and the other physicists that time is just a mere figment of our imagination? Is time an illusion or merely an idea or an apparent function of reality? Does time only exist in our minds or is time something real? Yes, time is real. <laughs> As one of the seven fundamental quantities of physics, time is essential to man's existence. Time sets the stage on which reality plays out. Time permits possibilities to become real and allows costs to, to produce effects. Therefore, my dear listeners, time is one of the easiest realities of life. For over time, we observe matter change, state, or form. Over time, we can observe people grow, learn, and get to know one another and God. Yes, because of time, man gets the privilege of experiencing the present remembering the past, and hoping for the future. Of course, for finite man, time exists. The mere fact of our personal experience of aging confirms to us the reality of time. Time is something we cannot control, yet it controls almost every aspect of our lives. If you do not believe me, consider these questions. Why do some people choose a family over a career or vice versa? Why do some people sacrifice health for a career? Why do some people sacrifice dreams for responsibilities? Yes, of course, the answers to the questions are a result of time. Time is real. Have you ever heard the adage, time waits for no man? Well, the expression is not new. It dates back to at least the 1200s. The phrase is another way to say that the passing of time is unstoppable and that time moves on regardless of what anyone says or anyone does. Time continues to keep going whether we want it to or not. Think about time. I mean, really think about it. Time is the great equalizer. It does not discriminate. Time does not care about our race, gender, socioeconomic status, religious preference, political affiliation, height, looks, personality, health, accomplishments, or mental intellectual capacity. For in this present day and age, every day consists of 24 hours. Each week contains seven days. And all non-leap years have 365 days, yielding 86,400 seconds in a day. 10,080 minutes in one week, 8,760 hours in a non-leap year throughout the world. The president, kings, queens, nor billionaires receive more hours in a day than anyone else. That is because, as I expressed before, time is the great equalizer. It is the same for every human being. Limited. We cannot trade for more time, we cannot make more time, nor can we buy more of it. 
Yes, some people may have more time on the earth than others, but in the end, each day still only consists a specific amount of hours, minutes, seconds for everyone. I pray you understand that there is no stopping time or slowing down the clock of life. Grasp that completely because we do not have the ability to put time away in a security box for safekeeping or in a savings account for a specific purpose or to invest time in a high yielding money market account nor trade time on the stock market. Time. Time is such a unique resource. We cannot turn time on or off like a machine or place it like a piece of paper. We cannot accumulate it like money or stockpile it like raw materials. We are forced to spend it at a fixed rate of 60 seconds every minute, whether we want to or not. And every day we lose some of it. Listen, that moment that just passed while you were listening to this broadcast, it's gone. It's gone forever. It is irretrievable. You can never get it back. Isn't that ironic that time is the only limited, non-replenishable source of its kind? Think about this. There may be limited oil in the United States or Saudi Arabia or Dubai, but there is more oil someplace on this earth that I can buy, sell, trade, or whatever. Think about it. If we need more money, we go earn or borrow it. If we need more food, we grow it or buy it. If we need more time, well... There is nothing, absolutely nothing we can do to attain more of it. Not even a millisecond of a second because time is irreplaceable. Nothing equates to time but time. As such, when I think about time and grasp the fact that time will not wait for anyone and that once it's gone, I can never get it back, I realize that time is one of my greatest assets. Or resources. Moreover, I propose that time is one of every person's greatest assets or resources. For there is no amount of money in this world that can buy an additional second, minute, or hour. Time is irrecoverable. You can never get it back. We all know time is not a thing. It's not the kind of object we can feel, see, or smell. There's something strange about it, isn't it? Because we cannot pick time up and put it on a shelf, then go and get it later. There's something oddly different about time because we cannot feel it. Like we can feel the air on a breezy day. There's something very intriguing about time because we cannot study it with a microscope yet. It keeps passing. Time is such an enigma because we cannot say what exactly happens when time passes, but we know it happens by its effects and or changes such as night to day and day to night or our face and body over years of life. There's something distinctly peculiar about time because we may know the hour and minute on a clock, but we do not know when the death angel will knock and call us home. However, What we do know is that time, time equates to our life. Think about it. From the time we enter this world, our earthly clock begins to tick. Speaking candidly and realistically about time, it is reasonable to say that time is our life. 
every day that we live our lives, we consume some of our earthly time. Like a clock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Hour by hour and moment by moment, time just keeps ticking away. Our life is expending. Isn't that something? Our time on earth equates to our life. That's why we as human beings are creatures of time. Our lives revolve around time. Every morning we wake up. Every month we pay bills. Every year we experience a birthday. And many of us are preoccupied with time. We ask regarding the criminal, how much time did he or she get? We want to know how much time it takes us to get from here to there, from there to here. And because time is our life, we are self-smused. How much time? Do we have left to live? Even our music contemplates the theme of time. We sing time is on our side or time after time or as time goes by. We are so fixated with time that we wear watches or use time keeping devices to help us keep or place it in, keep our place in activities or keep account of time throughout the day. Our preoccupation and or observation with time it, uh, or obsession rather with time is not limited to keeping track or of it or singing about it. We even use time in conversations in many different ways. Some people use time as an excuse for their failures. You know how they do it. They say, I didn't have enough time to do that or there wasn't enough time for me to finish it. Some of us use time to indicate our feelings about the passing of time such as time flies when we're having fun, or I cannot believe your child is graduating, or it's midnight already. I feel like we just got here to indicate that time appeared to speed up or pass quickly. Or perchance, if we are not too happy about what we're doing, we may say, it's only this or that time. Or if we are really unhappy with what we are doing or the situation we're in, we may say, time is moving so slowly. But the reality is, time is consistent. It does not speed up nor slow down. It just keeps moving. The eloquent poet Linda Ellis composed a poem entitled, The Dash. In the poem, Linda Ellis expressed, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her casket from beginning to end. He noted that first came the date of her birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own. The cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you would like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If you, if we could just slow down enough to consider what is true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we have never loved before. 
if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of things they say about how you spent your dash? Isn't that a thought-provoking poem about time? That little dash between the day we're born and the day we pass from this life into eternity represents the time we live on this earth. Wow, the dash is so small, isn't it? And when we think of the time the dash represents in respect to eternity, it is reasonable to conclude that our time on earth is very small or short compared to and or in relation to eternity. Yes, our earthly lives are made of a short amount of time. However, too many of us use time physics like like physics, a mere tool. The clock and the calendar help us gauge our position relative to things we want to accomplish in an, at a specific time. We plan meetings, arrange our affairs, schedule this, set time for that, manage this, cancel that. But in all of our scheduling, planning, and managing of time, would you be proud, happy, or sad about how you spend your dash? Meaning, how you lived on this earth in the time that God allows? Benjamin Franklin expressed, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. So, what have you decided to do with the time you are given? What are your priorities? How will you choose to expend your time knowing it is one of your greatest assets or resources? What are you going to do during your dash? Time is so precious. How are you spending your time today? See, the problem the majority of us face in our society today is not the amount of time God gives us, but how we spend the time God allows us. To quote Gandalf, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. We can choose what our priorities are. We can say no to things that are not within them. We can leverage our time to focus on what really matters. What are your priorities? What really matters to you? For many of us, our priorities and thoughts of what really matters is just wrong. Because we have become a society that has fallen into the mindset which sees time from a utilitarian standpoint where performance and accomplishments or doing something seemingly productive is all important uh, priority or goal. For in our performance-oriented society, activity that produces some kind of result is placed at a premium and time is seen from a generic standpoint. Our performance-oriented society fosters competitiveness and materialism and self-centeredness all in an effort to be successful. In society today, we believe we have to produce or see some kind of obvious yield, accomplishment, or material or tangible outcome of our time to deem our time spent productive, meaningful, or successful, or our time is spent, you know, the time that we spend is viewed as wasted time. In our social de social environment or our societal desire to be successful, we are becoming so constrained by 
strategies, actions, and attitudes that lead us to believe that how we spend our time outside of work or church or so-called our free time in the evenings and weekends and vacations impact our ability to be successful significantly. As a result, we are careful about how we spend our crucial free time. We don't engage in meaningful, meaningless activities that do not contribute to our growth and success because we believe that taking a mere breath is seen as wasting time. Swindoll expressed that work is fast becoming the American Christian's major source of identity. The answer to most of our problems, we are told, is work harder. Dr. J. Hampton Kedley III expressed, we fill our con conversations with phrases which convey the rush of our modern times. We speak of the peak or rush hour of the day, or we'll tell people to get a move on it because we don't have all day or we don't have time. We use words regularly like urgent, priority, or pressing. One would think, with all of our modern day conveniences and technological advances that we should have more leisure time or more time to spend with God. And the fact of the matter is the opposite is the case in most of our lives, especially in the case of saints of God or people raised in a Christian home who live in a large city, or have managerial professional positions or combine outside employment with substantial household responsibilities because saints of God and people raised in a Christian home tend to take our work more seriously than others. We also place a high value on family obligations and are often in the forefront of our community and charitable associations. The result of our commitment to family, church, work, and community is most saints of God are always on the move and in a rush constantly. It is run, 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 go, 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 do this, 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 or that, 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 so much. So that most saints of God seem to be out of breath. Ironic, isn't it? All these technological advancements that are at our fingertip to help minimize time consuming activities and the saints of God still do not feel as though there is enough time in a day to meet all of our priorities or expectations others put on us. Robert Banks has an interesting note on this for saints of God. He expressed with respect to time, saints of God are a good deal worse off than many. Robert Banks goes on to convey, if you are a pastor or a large church, uh, of a large church and or many pastors small churches don't fare much better time is even more crucial it's more critical stemming from the extreme demands and unreasonable expectations placed on pastors very often uh, find time to fulfill all external expectations is virtually impossible and sometimes overwhelming Consequently, pastors and their wives are often like ships passing in the night, and sometimes their children are left sitting on the shore. Now, this broadcast is not attempting to criticize anyone for their faithfulness or commitment to their church, home, job, or community involvement. However, I really hope to help saints of God, including myself, expend the time we have on earth wisely. See, rather than viewing time as, as a 
friendly asset or resource, our society is turning time into a big, fat oppressor. And we are allowing this oppressor to invade and dominate our entire lives. Think about it. If we look carefully at our society, we can see easily the decline in our social life and our relationships with other people, stemming from the oppressiveness of time. Regarding this decline, Don McLean compares the average person to a spinning top and conveyed round and round this world you go, spinning through lives of the people you know. How are you going to keep on turning from day to day? How are you going to keep from turning your life away? Consider how our encounters with others are becoming more and more limited and instrumental. We associate rather than interrelate. Hold ourselves back rather than open ourselves up. Pass on or steal by one another rather than pause and linger a while. The number of our close friends drop and the quality of our married life diminishes. We tend to view developing vital relationships with people as too time consuming and because of our productive or oriented mindset, our tendency to economize our commitment to spending the time necessary to develop deep relationships with family and friends. You, you don't know this broadcast was going to go this way, did you? Neither did I, really. Uh, well, it's because the life of the church is impacted detrimentally by our time pressures. There are too many meetings, programs, organizations, and other constraints calling the body of Christ to go, 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 and do, 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 this, 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 and that, that, that. And what are we doing? The results are debilitating on our individual relationships with God, with one another, and with time needed to think, meditate, and really grasp God's truth. In this frustrating rat race of always being on the go, we are failing to grasp who we are as the people of God. We fail to understand why we are here and the true purpose God has for our lives. And sadly, we don't even know where we're going. We're like the bus driver who told his passengers, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is we took a wrong turn and are on the wrong, wrong road. But don't worry. The good news is we're making great time. We have become enamored with speed for the sake of speed itself. We want our computers to run with the speed of life. If it takes 10 seconds to save 30 page file, we become impatient and complain. We want it done in the split second, but doesn't it seem logical that the traveler, if said traveler is unsure of the route, should stop and ask where he or she is going and where the present road is taking him or her, rather than continuing on in the same direction, regardless of where the bus is, driver is taking him or her? Over and over again, through the pens of the inspired writers of the Word of God, we find numerous passages of Scripture that address this very issue of being preoccupied with activity or how much we have and can accomplish. And I focus your attention to the sixth chapter of Mark around the verse where we find the disciples returning from a very busy time of ministry, gathered around Jesus and informing Jesus about all that they had done and taught.
in the Greek text, it is obvious that they were quite preoccupied with their performance, with what they had done. This is seen in the repetition of the Greek word H-O-S-O-S, meaning everything. The text conveys literally, then the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. But then in verse 31, we read um, these very interesting and thought-provoking words. He said to them, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and there was not time to eat. This was not just a problem of time, but of the responsibility to deal with the use of time in a way that would enhance the time they had. This same theme is illustrated dramatically in the passage of scripture that follows, which is the story about the feeding of the 5,000. This event was designed to teach the disciples how much more they need time alone with Jesus to draw upon the resources of Jesus's glorious life to be effective in the use of time they had. It was not just a matter of everything they did, but of who was in charge of their lives. And for this, they, as it is with us today, need to spend time with Jesus to hear the word of God. Unfortunately, many people waste time and energy worrying and thinking about the wrong things like the previously referenced passages of scripture, how much they accomplished, how to earn more money, how to obtain the best car, how to live in the best house, how to live a better life. Well, when we do this, we usually forget about the most important thing, spending time with Jesus to hear the word of God. It is absolutely imperative, forgive my grammar, but I'm going to repeat it again. It is absolutely necessary if we are to live a healthy, happy, useful, purposeful Christian life to spend time with Jesus and to hear the word of God. Uh, let me give you another example. It's it, Luke 10, 38 and 42, where we find the re- record of Mary and Martha entertaining Jesus in their home. Martha was an excellent hostess and was busy preparing a meal for Jesus and his disciples. Mary, on the other hand, sat at Jesus' feet and listened to all the wonderful things that Jesus had to say. Martha said to herself, what a privilege to prepare a meal for him. And Mary said, what a privilege to sit at his feet. And they were both right. But Martha, however, felt that Mary was unreasonable in leaving her to serve the meal and, and even questioned the Lord for allowing her to sit at his feet while there was work to be done. Jesus then spoke very tenderly to Martha. And he said, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it it will not be taken away from her. That's it. You can look in verses 41 and 42. Mary had chosen that one thing. Mary's priorities and focus were right in the way she chose to spend her time. In the previously referenced passages of scripture, we see what is the number one requirement For every saint of God, not service, but sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
Billy Graham expressed, most people today are either too busy or not busy enough. Either our schedules are so hectic we can't get any everything done or else we are bored and restless constantly looking for something to amuse us. We're the most frantic generation in history and also the most entertained. <laughs> that is something, isn't it? The Bible, however, tells us that both extremes are wrong. We can't always choose how to use our time, but we can do something about our time. Um, and so I want to show, share with you um, four steps Billy Graham found helpful. The first one was see each day as a gift from God. Instead of seeing each day as a burden, see it instead as another opportunity God has given you to serve him. Time isn't inexhaustible, nor can we assume we'll always have more. Someday our time on earth will end. The psalmist said, my times are in your hands. Psalms 31 and 15. The first thing we should do when we wake is thank God for the gift of another day. Second, commit your time to God. God gave it to you for a reason, not to be wasted or mishandled, but to be used for his glory. We're accountable to him for the way we use our time. And once a minute passes, it can never be reclaimed. The Bible says, Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's Psalms 90 and 12. How can we put this into action? It may mean asking God to help us schedule our time more wisely and efficiently. It may mean thinking how we spend our time and then adjusting it to reflect God's priorities. We may also need to examine why we're so busy or so bored. It is, is what we are doing really necessary or are we simply trying to impress others? We can't do everything and we need to say no if some activity isn't God's will. Third, set aside time for God and, and for others. No Christian um, would say, I'm too busy for God. But how often have you gone through a whole day without even thinking about him, let alone praying or reading the Bible? How often have you ignored someone who needed your encouragement or help? Why is this? One reason is because we relegate God to our spare time, but end up never having any spare time. In other words, we mentally list everything we have to do and put God at the bottom of the list. But the opposite should be the case. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's Matthew 6 and 33. Finally, take time for your own needs. We all need rest and recreation. God made us this way. Some people feel guilty if they take a vacation or even a few hours off, but they shouldn't. In the midst of an incredibly busy schedule, Jesus told his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Matthew 6 and 31. If Jesus required time of rest, don't we also? Someone who is chronically exhausted from lack of sleep or improper eating is much more susceptible to Satan's attacks. I like Billy Graham's previously read four recommendations, particularly his second one about committing our time to God and the scripture reference Psalm 90 and 12. 
Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And thinking about that passage of scripture more, because numbering our days includes evaluating the use and managing our time. I, I, I mean, I want us to think about that. Uh, it, because it means evaluating where and how we spend our days. If we are too busy to spend time in the word of God, then we should ask ourselves why. Because there are reasons why people choose to be busy. Billy Graham gave us some and, and very often um, our business busyness takes uh, us nowhere in terms of eternal investments or in accomplishing God's will. And I submit to you, my dear listeners, the following four common reasons why people are too busy for these days. Number one, uh, many people stay busy because of their egos. People want to appear important. In our society, the full crowded schedule, the incredible number of hours and heavy demands are supposed to show how successful or important a person is. As I expressed previously, our performance-oriented society is causing problems for us because we tend to gauge people, including ourselves, by activity and performance. So we are overwhelmed or, or we make our schedule so busy. Next, many people may stay busy as a cover-up for laziness. Running around, doing a lot of extracurricular activities is sometimes a way to avoid the more important or difficult responsibilities. This is true particularly for saints of God. Some of us would rather be busy with all kinds of things rather than spend time working and thinking through the Word of God or a a text of scripture. If a saint of God, specifically a pastor or a Bible study teacher or Sunday school teacher does not take time to study and know the word, how can he or she help people effectively understand God's word? The same principle applies to every saint of God. Next, many people stay busy because of greed. Yes, People are just greedy or materialistic. A lot of people are, not everybody. Matthew 6 contains a great commentary on this problem. People are busy, busy, busy because they have upside down priorities and they are never satisfied. Enough is never enough. Consequently, they seek to make money day and night. You know, if they make 90000 a year next year, they figure with just a little more work, they might make 110,000. Greed for money is only one aspect because other people are greedy uh, about other things like power, praise, prestige, position, possessions, and etc. Watch out for greed. And lastly, but certainly not least, people may stay busy because they are more concerned about pleasing men rather than God. It's not good being a people pleaser. I did not. I did an entire broadcast about people pleasing using Galatians 1 and 10 as my scriptural reference. In it, the Apostle Paul expressed, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
That's one in 10. Galatians one in 10. I'm not going to go in detail about people pleasers because that would take the entire broadcast. However, I will point out that in the previously read scripture, Paul was conveying we cannot be a servant of Christ if we try to please people because we must seek the approval of Jesus rather than the approval of people. We can either serve God's desires or other people's desires, but we cannot do both. Unfortunately, one of the terrible attributes of a people pleaser is that it is difficult for them to say no. So they stay busy doing, 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 and going, going, going. All of this, (laughs) you know, to please others like family members, friends, brothers, and sisters in the Lord, or people on their job, or even other people, which inhibits their ability to keep God's priorities before others. Unfortunately, the people pleasers doing, doing, doing and going, going, going becomes a form of betrayal towards God rather than a commitment to God. Biblical priorities and God's will for our individual lives must determine our activities rather than the wants of even wants or even the needs of other people. Numbering our days also means evaluating the quality of our time spent. The amount of time we spend at something is often not as important as the quality of the time we spend. Not only must we consider where our time goes, but how we expend it and why. By how, I mean how well. Is is it quality time? Do you take time for God's word and other projects which require solid thinking and alertness when you are not tired or or when you are at your best when you spend time with your family is your mind and heart somewhere else are you distracted when in church for instance what exactly are you thinking the why is very important we must consider our motives and goals in the use of our time this includes rest recreation relaxation fun as well as our work service and ministry it's wrong to think God doesn't want us to enjoy ourselves or that his goal to make us, you know, is to make us miserable. Some people imagine God must be like that, but it simply isn't true. The Bible says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalms 84 and 11. Consider this. Jesus' first miracle was performed at a wedding, a joyous and, and happy occasion. Look at John 2, 1-11. From time to time, he also attended banquets or other social events, often as a guest of honor. Uh, and after pondering the human condition, the writer of Ecclesiastics in the Old Testament expressed, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see as a form uh, the the hand of God. That's Ecclesiastics 2.24. God knows that we need times of rest and relaxation. In fact, God said one day out of seven should be a day of rest as well as worship. One of the Ten Commandments says six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God on it. You shall do no work. That's Exodus 29 to 10. 
As long as we aren't neglecting our responsibilities or doing something wrong, then recreation and rest have a place in our lives. And it's okay for us to spend our time resting. Don't misunderstand me. (laughs) God didn't put us here just to have a good time. I often convey God created us on purpose for a purpose. And a major purpose for every saint of God is to live for Christ and share his love with others. Are you seeking God's will for your life every day? If not, today is the perfect day for you to begin to do that. Oh my God, my time is out. Lord Jesus, but the Bible says, um, I want us to end this broadcast without, I don't want us to end this broadcast without sharing um, with you John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Additionally, Romans 10, 9 through 10 conveys that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you believe sincerely Romans 10 and 9 to 10, I ask you to pray this brief prayer of salvation with me. Gracious God, our father, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for my sins and you, God, raised Jesus from the dead. I ask you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me so that I might serve you. In Christ's name, amen. If you prayed the previous prayer with me, you are saved, meaning you are a child of God, a new creation. All of your previous sins are forgiven. For that reason, please read your Bible and pray every day. Join a church that teaches the word of God. Well, I appreciate you listening to this broadcast, my dear listeners. (laughs) You may follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or the RCR Radio Network. Please become a network uh, member with us. Uh, What I say unto one, I say unto all. Watch and pray. Live holy every day. Remember, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. I love you. God bless you. Make wise choices. Thank you for listening to God's Inputs for You with Evangelist, Dr. Sharon Westbrooks. Tune in next time with Dr. Westbrooks about God's Word for Your Life. Portions of our broadcast day made possible by Internet Media Providers, Makers of X-Cable, Watch almost any television station in the world, including programs on demand with X-Cable. For more information, look for the link to Internet Media Providers on this website or app, or visit us directly at www.internetmediaproviders.com. God's Inputs for You is copyrighted by Dr. Sharon Westbrook's Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.